Active FM presents Food for Thought with Pastor Kevin and Pastor Vicky Ensler. We're continuing with our series Fructify. Now, just to mention next week, um, we're going to be talking about the hours that will change your world. And if you want your world to change and if you want to change the world, then um, don't miss next week because we're going to take a practical look at how you organize your day so that you can change the world. But today, we've, we've, we've been building up to what we're going to talk about today. And the title is, We Desperately Need an Encounter with God. We desperately need an encounter with God. And I want to, 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 to tell you that people that don't know that they need an encounter need to be prayed for. Because every one of us needs an encounter. There are times when maybe you think there are things wrong in your life and you do not know what they are and you're struggling And as you struggle, you don't realize that what's actually missing is God. What's actually missing is an encounter with Almighty God. And when you have an encounter with God, your world changes. The way you see the world changes. There's a whole lot of questions that you used to have which you no longer have. All of a sudden, you you don't need to understand everything. But when you have an encounter, one thing you do understand is why you are here. If you... Don't understand why you are here. If you don't have a solid foundation and a a solid basis on on, on which to launch your life, thinking about, you know, what you have, why you have it, why you're alive, then at the end of the day, you need an encounter. Maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, I don't know what's wrong. And you're sitting there thinking, you know, um, COVID-19 has come and there's been lockdowns, there have been all of these sorts of things. And then uh, what happens is that as you, as you sit there and you, and you think about this and you think about how it shook your world, if you really know your purpose, if you really know your God, if you really understand why you are here, if you have a, a regular encounter with God, it won't even shake you in the slightest. Because the book of Hebrews says that God is going to allow everything that can be shaken to be shaken. Okay? <clears throat> it's a promise. He allows everything that can be shaken to be shaken. So that only that which is unshakable remains. You know, that's even why our bodies die. Because our bodies are shakable. And that is part of the shaking. That only that which is unshakable remains. Genesis chapter 1 verse 28. It says, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves along the ground. Now, if you feel that you're not ruling, if you feel that everything's not going your way, if you feel that you're not overcoming, if you wish that there's something else that could happen in your life to fulfill whatever dreams and things that you've got, you need an encounter with God. Because you may not realize it, but that which is missing is God. And I just want to go through... Um, six points that we've done, you know, leading up to today. And today we're going to look at the seventh one. And the first one was all effective leadership is related to vision. Without vision, you're not a leader. Without vision, you're nothing. All leaders have vision. And you were created to be a leader. And therefore, if you don't have vision, 
you're not a leader, you're not what God created you to be, you will be frustrated in life. I mean, think about it when you don't want to be sick. You lead yourself to the doctor because you want to get well. You have a vision that the doctor is going to do something and make you better. When you go to work, you have a vision that you're going to get paid. If you start a business, you have a vision that you're going to get rich. When you start a church, you have a vision you're going to make a difference. When you get saved, you only really get saved if you have a vision that you're going to go to heaven. Now, what kills vision? What kills vision is sin, because sin caused the Spirit to die. Sin caused our spirit to die, and Jesus came to bring our, our spirits back to life. Now, many times we want to change. We'd like our lives to change. We'd like to be better than what we thought we were, or what we feel we are. And the only thing that will, change, well, that will change us is a real encounter with Jesus. And when we look at the real encounter with Jesus, we looked at Abraham, who had an encounter with God when God said to him, I want you to sacrifice your son. And Abraham obeyed. <clears throat> we don't see him questioning God. He takes his son. He's about to sacrifice him. And for three days, his son was dead to him. For three days, he was stripped of the most important thing to him on this planet. <clears throat> and that's the secret of an encounter. When you're stripped of everything and it's only you and God, that's when you have an encounter with him. And Abraham, Abraham became Abraham because of that. Because nothing was more important to him than God. We also saw Jacob last week. Jacob had a lot of flaws in his character. And he had conspired with his mother to, to take the, the blessing that was, that was due to Esau, his older brother. He then has to flee because it... Um, it's obvious that when, when Jacob dies, Esau's going to, uh, sorry, when, es when Isaac dies, Esau's going to kill Jacob. Jacob has to run away to his mother's relatives. And then what happens is that on the way there, he has his first encounter. He meets God. It's almost like he gets saved. And after that encounter, we saw that Jacob had to follow a path that God led him to, but he didn't know how it was going to end. God led him to Laban, who eventually became his father-in-law, Laban was family to his mother. And uh, anyway, he got his wife there. He ended up getting a wife he didn't want. He ended up getting very wealthy. And eventually he leaves. And God tells him to go back. Back to the land of his father. Back to where his brother Esau is. And on the way back, he finds out that Esau, who heard he was coming, is coming out to meet him with 400 guys. And if a guy's coming to meet you with 400 guys, you understand, they're coming for a fight. And Jacob got afraid, and only when he got afraid did he have a real encounter with God. And Jacob needed an encounter with God for his relationship with God to be consolidated. And what did we learn out of that? We learned that the Lord was always with Jacob, but Jacob was not always with God. And so in terms of yourself, do you want the blessings of God without the presence of God? I want to tell you that God can give you every single dollar, every single rand, every single pound, every single one, every single currency there is. He can, you could own everything. You could literally own the whole world. And it's not even worth a fraction of what five minutes in the presence of God is worth. 
the day that Jacob had this encounter, he wrestled with God all night. His name was changed from Jacob, which means supplanted, to Israel. And, the, and, and the, 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 the guy that he wrestled with said, you have wrestled with God and have won. An encounter changes you. When you encounter God, it changes you. And we're going to look at how that happens with a, a man named Saul. And we're not talking about King Saul in the Old Testament. We're talking about the Saul in the New Testament. And if you look at Saul, Saul was a guy who was standing there when the very first Christian was killed for their faith. A man named Stephen in the book of Acts. And the Bible says that while they were stoning Stephen to death for nothing other than telling the truth, for nothing other than saying, I see Jesus at the right hand of the Father and He's waiting for me right now. While the stoning of Stephen to death was going on, Saul was standing there holding the coats of the men who stoned him and the Bible says he approved of what they did, which means it's as good as he killed Stephen himself. Now after this, Saul was full of zeal. He believed that the Jewish way was the right way. He believed that the way of the sect called the Pharisees was the right way. And he believed that this new cult that had come up was something that had to be destroyed. And so he was going with all of his might, thinking that he is a warrior for the Lord. He was persecuting the church in Jerusalem. And he would go in and he'd arrest people and he'd haul them to court and people would be thrown in jail, people would be executed, all sorts of things like that. And Paul was doing this because he thought he was doing the work of God. You know how many people there are in the world today that are doing what Saul did? They think they're doing the work of God. They're even killing people in the name of God, but they're not doing the work of God. You know, you can be sincere about God, and you can be sincerely wrong. Paul was very sincere about his faith. He wasn't flippant about God. He loved God, yet he didn't have the right information. Now, because he was so successful in persecuting the church in Jerusalem, he, was in, he now decided to go on to Damascus with permission from the leaders in, this, in, 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 the, in the Jewish temple to go and persecute the Christians there. He was going to go and pull them out of their houses and haul them back to Jerusalem so that they could be sorted out. And so he set off with a band of men with all of his zeal, believing he's doing the work of God. But on his way to Damascus, On his way to Damascus, where he thought he was going to go and do the work of the Lord, he was actually going there to persecute Jesus himself. He did not know it, but he was, he was on his way there to persecute the Son of Almighty God. And then Jesus appears to him in a blinding light. And Paul falls to the, well, Saul at that stage still falls to the ground. And he looks up and he can't see. He just sees a figure there and he's, he says, who are you? Who are you, Lord? Obviously he starts realizing this is God. And Jesus tells him that he's Jesus. And he asks him, why are you persecuting me? Active church, I want to tell you something. It's a hard thing to fight God. Some of us are fighting God. God speaks to us, He moves us, and we fight God 
Saul thought he was working for God, but he was fighting God. Saul, Saul thought he was a warrior of God, but he, he was actually persecuting Jesus himself who is God. And he was making himself the enemy of God. Saul thought he was persecuting Christians. But he was persecuting Jesus. And so now he's lying there on the ground and there's this blinding light. And he realizes who he's speaking to. And he realizes he's probably wrong about Jesus. And the moment he, he realizes his error, there's one of two things he can do. The, the, the one thing is he can be full of pride and say, I don't believe you. This is some other trick. And now the enemies of God have blinded me. You know, sometimes Jesus will come to us in a blinding light like that. And, and we will say, no, no, this, this is the devil. When it's not the devil. It's God. And so, that's the one thing he could have done. Or he could have done this. He could have said, Okay, I realize I'm wrong. Jesus, what do you want me to do? Now Saul asks him that. He says, okay, Jesus, what do you want me to do? And Jesus tells him, I want you to go to Damascus. I want you to go and register for an encounter. I want you to go to Damascus. I want you to spend three days with me. I want you to have a three-day encounter with me. And so Paul gets led there as a... As a blind man. He gets led there. In the process of his name changing from Saul to Paul. He gets led as a blind man to Damascus. And he gets placed in Damascus. And he sits there for three days blind. Not able to do anything. Not able to move about. Not able to even look after himself. Like Jacob he got himself into an intimate place with God. It's now only him and God. And now because it's only him and God, all of the distractions, all of the thoughts, all of the ideas that he had are out of the way. And, and now he can find God. Not who he thinks God is. Not find what he thinks he wants out of life. He can actually find God. And just like Jacob was that night when he's wrestling with this man all night long, Saul is there having an internal wrestle while he can't see a thing. All of his power stripped away. All of his prestige stripped away. All of his abilities stripped away. It's just him and God. Like Saul, who became Paul. Like Jacob, who became Israel. We desperately need an encounter with God. And I want to pray for this morning that, that you will realize this. And as you're sitting there thinking about, well, why is it that you need an encounter? There's five... There's five reasons why you need an encounter. The first reason is for you to receive the assurance of your salvation. You know, you're sitting in church today. But I'd like to ask you this question. Do you even believe that Jesus is real? You know, many times you might get an instruction from someone in the church. You might get an instruction from God when you read in the Bible. You might get an instruction from a policeman or a policewoman or etc, etc. But it's things that line up with the Word of God. And then <clears throat> you don't want to do it because, well, you just don't want to do it. 
you just want your own idea. You just want your own thing. You just want to go your own places. <laughs> Are you sure you're saved? You know, if you read the Bible and then you go and do the opposite, are you sure you're saved? Now, now the thing is, you can't decide, I'm going to change. You've got to have an encounter with God where God gives you a supernatural assurance of your salvation. A supernatural assurance of the fact that you're saved. And this is what an encounter does because you encounter the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the first aim is the assurance of salvation, that you're saved and that you know you're saved. As sure as what you know, you're a human being alive on the earth today, you know that you're saved. The second important measure in terms of an encounter is that you receive inner healing. You know, Jesus shed his blood so that you can be completely restored on the inside. Never mind being restored from a wound. Be restored on the inside. Everyone here, whether you're here in this building, you're at one of the sites or you're sitting at a home or you're listening on the audio, every single one of us has been wounded by past events. We've been wounded in our homes. We've been wounded here. And you know, very often you'll, you'll see that someone, someone will maybe give their life to Jesus. And then they'll get totally freaked out one day. And you know why they'll get freaked out? They'll get freaked out. And, and, and when you start analyzing it, you find out, no, there's, there's some things that have happened in the family. And so because of the things that have happened in the family, there's now this wound. And now something happens and everything comes out and they withdraw. You can't medicate these wounds away. <clears throat> you, you can't practice seven steps to get rid of these wounds. You, you can't get there to that place to heal it. Only the blood of Jesus can heal those past wounds. And encounter, you get that inner healing. The third aim of the encounter is deliverance. <clears throat> I want you to think about some areas where right now in our society, people have opened themselves up to Satan. You know, I'll give you some examples here today. Maybe if you're a white person, you've been to a fortune teller. Maybe if you're a black person, you've been to a sangoma. Maybe you think you're speaking to someone from the past, an ancestor. And by the way, for the black people, it's not just black people that talk to ancestors. I know you say it's African culture and stuff. No, no. Don't be so arrogant as to think it's only for you. White people go to fortune tellers and clairvoyants and all sorts of stuff to speak to ancestors. It's a lie to believe that white people don't also go to ancestors. Now, you think you're talking to granny or uncle or brother or whoever may have passed away, mother or father or whatever. And you're not. Many people might freak out, but the, the reality is you're not talking to, to them. You're talking to demons. And I want to tell you, it's not one culture. You see, the biggest lie that is told in this country, in South Africa, is that this is only a black thing. 
And many black people will freak out when I'm saying this because you don't know white culture. You don't know that white people do exactly what you do. That's why they're white people. I know of white Sangomas. Why do you, I mean, if this was a black culture thing, why do you think white people would become Sangomas? Because it's not unique to African culture. It's in every culture. And people go and they do stuff like this. Even, you know, you're sitting there and you're gaming. Now, it's another thing. A lot of people freak out. You're gaming through the night. I mean, some people gaming, they even put adult nappies on them. Because they haven't got time to go to the toilet. Because they've got to beat you ever. You know? Rasta 456. Because they're playing them there. You understand what I'm saying? Don't even know where in the world the oak is. And, and uh, you know, just right there. Because you haven't got time. You're opening yourself up to a world of demons. When you're doing drugs. You're opening yourself up to a world of demons. When you're looking at pornography, you're opening yourself up to a world of demons. You know, you can be looking at the news and open yourself up to a world of demons. And, and how do you know that you've opened yourself up to a world of demons? Well, one of the things is you hear a message about this, and it just happens now to, maybe you don't care, you're black, and you don't care about this on Gormas, but if I speak about gaming, now you're freaking out. Whatever's causing you to freak out, that's, that's a problem. They're chains. Why, why get emotional about something someone says? It's like, I mean, if someone comes to me and says evolution, and, you know, we're all apes. Eh? I don't freak out. I think you're talking rubbish, but it doesn't make me emotional. Why would you get emotional? Let me, let me tell you something. The moment you get emotional, there's chains. You leave the world of logic. You leave the world of thinking rationally about something. You just get emotional. You get upset. You need deliverance. They're chains. You're chained up. You don't even know it. You need an encounter. The fourth reason why you need an encounter is because you need the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Now, Saul, as he's becoming Paul, he's sitting there in Damascus for three days. And at the end of the three days, one of the guys who knew who Saul was, who knew Saul's coming to take him out, basically. Because Ananias is a Christian. And he knows who Saul is. He knows Saul's the enemy of the church. And God says, go pray for him. Can you imagine how obedient Ananias must have been to go and pray for this oak? Maybe he even had some family members that have been taken out by Saul. And he goes and he prays for him and Saul's name is changing to Paul. But there's something else that happens. He lays hands. Imagine this is the head of Paul. He lays hands on him. And he receives the Holy Spirit. You see, when you have an encounter with God because of the blood of Jesus, because of what Jesus did on the cross for you, you are given the gift of the Holy Spirit. But, you know, the, the day you give your life to Jesus, you are given that gift. But... But for the Holy Spirit to have expression in your life, you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And when you have an encounter with God, you receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Where you are filled to the brim, you are filled so full of the Holy Spirit that it begins to leak out of you. And when it leaks out of you, it gets onto other people around you. And it touches them. And then the last aim was vision. You see... For, Paul, for Saul's name to change to Paul, he had to have vision. And the Bible says that as Ananias is laying hands, he's getting the Holy Spirit. It says that scales fell off of his eyes. 
and, and, and Saul is now Paul. Paul can now see. But he sees with new eyes. He received sight, but he didn't just receive his physical sight back. He received a sight of a vision of what God wanted him to do now as Paul with his life. He was still, he was going to be a warrior for God, but now he was going to fight the real battle. He was no longer going to fight with the weapons of this world. He was going to fight with the weapons of the spiritual world. With the blood of Jesus. Now, some of you may have been on an encounter and you never changed. You can go on an encounter and you can not change. You see, an encounter, it's not an event. It's not a retreat. For you to have an encounter with God, there needs to be a desperation. And this is why the life class is so important. And this is why, you know, um, registering for the encounter so you can get the life class devotional. And to actually do those devotions is so important. Because you need to get to a place where you feel that you're alone with God. And there's an intimacy with God. And as you're intimate with God like Paul was, because he's now changed. You see where you are. You don't see where you think you are. You see where you really are. You see yourself for what you are. And suddenly you realize, wow, that's why I need the cross. Suddenly it hits you. Suddenly it dawns on you. That's why I need the cross. My word. If I stand before God with all of this stuff going on in my life, with all of these chains and all of these wounds and all of these things I've done to other people, the things I've thought, I'm finished. I've got no chance. Now you know this. You see it. It's almost like you see Jesus being crucified and you feel the pain he's going through. And as you're having this encounter, it's like you get sacrificed on that cross. You experience what Jesus went through for you. You experience it. And now it's like you being hung on the cross. And there you die. Saul died on the cross. Bam. And who came off the cross? Paul. A totally new person. You leave the old man, you leave the old woman on the cross. And thereafter, every single day, Paul had to make a decision. And he made that decision. He crucified his flesh at the cross. And every day, you need to leave your old man at the cross. If you were part of the devotions we were doing when we were fasting in January. What did we say? Every day I see myself crucified with Jesus. As Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. I'm dead. I'm not walking around and it's Jesus living on the inside of me. And this is your opportunity to have an encounter with God. I remember in 1992, I had an encounter with God. It was over three days. And from that day, my life changed. I wasn't the same. In fact, from that day, and, and during this weekend, it was on a Saturday night. From that Saturday night in May 1992, 
I had this encounter with God. And the way I saw the world has never been the same. <clears throat> yes, you have your ups and your downs. That's true. Because every day you've got to go and get re-crucified. But, but I've never seen the world the same again. And this is, this is what you need to realize is you don't need for the pandemic to be over or the economy to come right and all of those sorts of things. This is a time where you need to know that you need to have an encounter with the Lord. <clears throat> it, and, and when we have an encounter with the Lord, it's a time where we make things right with the Lord. An encounter will, will cause you to fructify. We've been speaking about fructifies to be made fruitful. And an encounter will cause you to, to be fructified. And that's why Paul said that he, he preached because God had put a burden on his, on his heart. He didn't preach because he had to. He didn't run a cell group because he had to. He didn't tell people about Jesus because he was obliged to. He didn't phone people because he, he was told to. He did it because he felt this desire and he felt this obligation inside of himself. He'd had the encounter with Jesus. He understood what Jesus did for him on the cross. And he felt there was no other way. It's the least he could do. You know, if someone does you like this huge, massive, incredible favor, and in that moment you feel, you know, <laughs> you need to at least do something. What you're going to do is not going to repay them for what they've done to you. But you need to at least do something. That's how it is with Jesus. Some people have not changed because they've not fully surrendered themselves to God. On an encounter, you fully surrender yourself to God. Why is that important? Because God wants every single little piece of you. He, he doesn't want you to say, okay, I'll give you this, but I'm, I'm going to hold this piece of my life over here. God wants every piece of you. And I want to say to you today in the service, don't play with the things of the Lord. Today, turn to God. Turn to Him. Get back to Him. Get alone with God. Get real with God. Have intimacy with God so that He can come to you. This is why we surrender everything to Him. Oh, may the Lord give you a revelation of what that means. That's the gospel. He has the power to save us and the grace to forgive us. Right now. And in order to have an encounter, you first need to be saved and the verse we read every week at this time of the service. Romans 10 verse 8 to 9. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. All right, we're going we're gonna to pray together now. But I want you to realize that your eternal destiny is at stake here. Jesus died on the cross for you. And I want to tell you what you're saying as we say this prayer. You say, Lord, this is my time. This is the time, Lord, I want to commit to you now. I want to submit my life to you completely right now. Lord, I can't wait until I get home. Because, Lord, I don't know if I'll make it. I don't want to live eternity far from you. 
I want to live close to you from this day on. Because Lord, I know one day I'm going to die. And when my time comes to die, I want to know that there's no problem. I'm not even afraid because I know I'm going to enter eternity with you. So my death won't even really affect me. I just want to say one last thing as, as you're standing here. If you were to die today, do you know that you'd be right with God? If you're not sure that you're right with God, just raise your hand right now or send the email right now if you're not at a site. The more hands have gone up. If you give your life to Jesus, He can give you the assurance right now that you're saved. Maybe you feel that there's sin that's so bad that you can never, ever get back to God. The blood of Jesus is way more expensive than your sin. It will wipe your sin out. It will destroy your sin like the bomb that fell on Hiroshima destroyed Hiroshima in the Second World War in Japan. God will wreck the work of the devil in your life if you'll give your life to Jesus. We're going to pray together. I want to ask you to all put your right hand on your heart. I want you to see Jesus on the cross. His blood is destroying your sin right now. He's changing you. The same Jesus that died for you over 2,000 years ago. That same blood that he shed over 2,000 years ago is just as powerful today as it was then. And it's destroying the work of the enemy. It's destroying the work of sin to such an extent that it's totally transforming your eternity. I want you to see that. And as you see that, I want you to see a, a pile of papers with arguments that the devil has against you. A pile of papers with the arguments that are there because of the sins that you have committed. The sins of, of people that have been done to you, that have caused curses. The, 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 the sins of, of people that lived before you in previous generations that have come down your family life to affect you. They are being smashed right now by the blood of Jesus. And I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, today I recognize that I'm a sinner. I repent of everything that I've done wrong. And I renounce my life of sin. And I accept your sacrifice because I know that it's the price you paid for my redemption. And today, Lord, I ask that the blood of your wounded body will wash me of all rebellion, will wash me of all my sin. I pray that you would set me free from any sickness and any pain. And Lord, I accept that today, because of the blood of your son Jesus, and because of my faith, my debt has been paid. There is no outstanding balance. You've paid it in full. You've paid everything for me on the cross of Calvary. And I accept it by your blood. I am justified. And you have made it as if I've never sinned. And you have set me apart by the blood of your son Jesus. To serve you. And today I choose to serve you. And I open the door of my heart. And I invite you to come in as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me and giving me eternal life. 
Thank you, Jesus. Amen.